Kira, you're with At A Loss, a podcast about living fully with grief, about living, really living, when, when death has made its presence felt. Bit of a, a landmark uh, episode today. Our very first Reverend, and here you are, Moore, Reverend Moore Strixenpoor, in top-to-toe ecclesiastical green. Oh, it's a, green has got to be the colour, my brother. I love it. Creativity, new beginnings. Well, and for you, there's a slight political leaning, isn't there? Oh, there is, but I was trying to be polite. <laughs> Presbyterians are very subtle. And uh, Right, and yet you've managed to stay a Presbyterian because subtlety is not really your strong point, I would have thought. I, I blame the kilt and the lover lover. Is that your whakapapa, is it? Aye. <laughs> Isn't that an okai? It is. Malo rev talofa lava. So, you and your wife, Linda, about 30 years of ministry now? Uh, we've done um, 30 years of uh, ministry and in quite a radical way in terms of that instead of being parish-based ministers, ministry, it's been community outside the church. And so it's been a challenging time of how do we action the theological training that we've been given and at the same time be practical about the aroha, the alofa, the in-communion, in-community, and allowing people to get on with their journeys, their malanga, and the issues that's important to them, their families, and their communities. Malanga? Our journey. Thank you. like that. Does it give the inference of an A to B? Is malanga like a to B, or is it a more circuitous? Is there an inference around um, The inference generally tends to be, depending on your journey, um, there's uh, storms, there's calm weather, there's moments where it's obvious, there's times where you're going to go to a certain island, and from there you've been told, no, you've got to go back. There's something back over there. And then from there, get told again when you get back over there, hey, uh, we think you should be over at Island Z. You are telling them a lunga of my life, Rev. Oh, I think it's all of us, my brother. And so, you know, um, hence that uh, very um, why linear lines are not popular with Pacificans. Uh, we're, we're a people that are all over. And um, the other way I approach it is uh, the theology of comedy. It is that the reason why we laugh loud is because we want to know we're not alone. And the reason why we laugh long is because united, the laughter gets better. It's not always laughter, though. Uh, I know that recently you have officiated at the funerals of some suicides, of, of mutual friends of ours. Yes. And I wonder in that 30 years how many grieving... Fano, Ainga, groups. How many would you have, have been of service to, had, had to come into relationship with? Um, jeepers, that's a really good question. Um, we've been uh, blessed with um, that because we're outside, that means that we've been called in to either help a Fano, a community, to get access to a church. Uh, a church from Linda, in my perspective, is really uh, a unique experience. 
uh, because we have been doing funerals in pubs, in gardens, in backyards, in sports clubs, in areas and places that have specific meaning to the loved one that has passed away. You're sitting in front of me in your full priestly garb, Right, there's there's no doubt about what your gig is, right? You, yep. it's you're in your work clothes. Yep. And you've got the dog collar on. What's the proper name for that, by the way, the dog collar? What's it called? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> You've forgotten more than I'll ever know. Oh, worse. All, all I know is that if you run out of dog collars, you go cut up a Janola and you're squeaky clean again. <laughs> Funerals in a pub. You're yep. No. You know, you can't do that dressed like this. You cannot take priestly garments into a pub to do a funeral. Uh, I think we can because our loved ones are there. If that's their place, a sense of belonging, a sense of memory, a sense of uh, gathering to farewell a loved one. And so um, my job, or I see it as my role, is to afi, to tautoko, to... to um, to do a service that has meaning for the whānau, the community that gathers. And so I find with pubs um, a much more resilient, a much more raw, a much more real setting. And it also is an opportunity to interface with the next generation coming through about how can we look after ourselves better? How can we support each other better? How can we learn from the passing of their beloved? And what are the lessons that we can take from this? And also, um, I find too that um, it's also about facilitating a process with the whānau, with the family um, that meets their expectations, uh, with their uh, key players or leaders, and also in terms of hearing, also in terms of um, affirming, up, you know, and really giving a, a good send-off. And when I say a good send-off, I'm talking about the awesome tears, about the great laughter, about the, the sadness, going through all those emotional notes uh, of uh, mixed emotions from anger, from um, being able to, um, to let it off safely, and also for us as a, as a whānau to identify the follow-ups. You know, just because we had the service on Tuesday, uh, as we know, doesn't mean that it just stopped on Tuesday. No, it's about an opportunity to uh, put on our radar, take our leadership role. And when I say leadership, I'm talking about the word in English is leadership. But the tikanga I'm talking about is servant leaders. It's about us keeping an eye out to see which young ones or which elders uh, need to have a visit. Uh, need to be okay when we drop over, just to make sure, you know, that this hasn't totally washed them out emotionally, spiritually, and culturally. It's about uh, an awareness, uh, tuning in, because we've been blessed that we come from a people that have understood that um, death is a part of life. More? Yes. I want to check in on your energy for a moment. There's a bit of heat behind these words for you. When you're talking to me, there's almost an anger that is present in this energy with with you. Why? Like, am I, you've just given me a thumbs up. Is there anger underneath this for you? I think, I think it's a disappointment with uh, the church. 
with the church recognizing or coming to grips with how do we serve the community outside? How do we become a, a interactive, engaging church that must learn how to let people make their own decisions, to let the society um, so, carry so on? So you've 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 remained in the church, Aye. right? For I mean, how, how long ago did you? When when were you ordained? How long ago was that? Thirty years ago. Thirty years ago, right? And I I know because we've known each other a long time that there have been times when you have been comparatively comfortable in your walk with the church and 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 your your ministry within the fold and other times when i know that you have been, it's almost time for divorce yes right? you've you've been on those yep and yet you've held it together so i'm interested yep in that you have been able to bring the church and all that that brings as a generational glue or connector as, yep. a, as an intercultural, cross-cultural connector too? Yes. <sighs> yeah. So I want to talk about that for just a moment. Um, and thank you for the energy and the vibrancy that, that you're, you're bringing in this. Um, your Samoan and Scots. Do you work exclusively within that Samoan community? Like I, I was chatting to a, um, a mate of mine yesterday and she's like going, oh, you know, like you're a, you got the rap and rev coming on, you know. So you've got your street poetry, your performance poetry, your published poetry, your social activism. But in your ministry, mm-hmm. how much is it exclusively within the Samoan community? I think we've been brought up... Um, you know, like uh, one of the quick ways to answer this, when I was growing up, it was to be a Samoan when I was a baby. Then, as I started growing up in the school system, it was to be New Zealand-born. Then it was to be New Zealand-born Samoan. Then it was to become uh, Aotearoa Samoan. Then it was to become Ngāte Hamoa. And as you see the progression, um, it becomes obvious to me that uh, I have enjoyed um, the blessing of uh, uh, the protest movement, uh, Springbok Tour, Waitangi. Um, I've, uh, I've engaged with uh, marrying a crazy Pākehā woman who on our first date said, we're going down to the marae to do te reo Māori. And t- my response was terrible. I said, with those Maoris, you know, just terrible. I cringe. I'm embarrassed. I'm so lucky to be uh, blessed to be married to a Ngāti Pākehā who loves being called Ngāti Pākehā, who understands what that means, and but is also proud of her English heritage, you know, and so she doesn't um, just, you know, go, oh, let the Samoan do his thing. No, it is about the dreams that ancestors brought to this awesome island of Aotearoa. It is about the kotahitanga, the unity, and how we begin to resolve the issues of who we are, what we wish to contribute, and what we celebrate the, about the, not, not uniformity in a controlling way, but the commonality of what it is that we do share, and then what is it that we're going to share that's new and will be just amazing to the input of our development as a nation. And so when we look at death and grieving, we're looking at amazing, powerful contributions to the global village of the humanity of families about how we can assist, how we can heal, how we can affirm um, people. 
Nati Hamo. Nati Park, yeah. Right. Tongata Fenua. Um look, even a couple of Tongan friends of mine talk about you quite politely behind your back. Oh, I tell you, those I love Tonga because uh, uh my famous one I use on the Tongans is um uh, without Tongans there would be no honest Samoans. <laughs> <laughs> now, Timothy's <laughs> laughing away, people, so trust me. The, the Tongans in the audience, ma law. The, when you look at those cultures that you work comfortably across and, and live with, and sometimes uncomfortably across, oh, I, yes. I'd imagine, right? Death and grief you just talked about. Do you need to approach them very differently when you're in your role of pastoral care? Um. Around that? Oh yeah, I, I think you've 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 hit it. It's um, it's a, it's the the biggie. It's the biggie of um, uh, our children are intergenerational. Our children have so many other ways of looking at the world, the technology. But I just recently took a group of high at risk young people, and I was just saying to them, you know what? You might come from the smallest islands. But your islands is in the biggest ocean in the world. And the other thing you need to be aware of, young people, if we've been traveling to South America and going to Africa, we've been traveling our ancestors. Do you not think your ancestors have already uh, experienced knowing how to live in new countries, different cultures, new languages, and being able to adapt and so be those amazing mariners who for thousands of years before our Pagia side even got outside of Mediterranean to, to be in the largest ocean? And so when we look at how do we handle, and with the new statistics, I'm one of those really geeky Presbyterians, uh, Timothy, I confess. I look at the census figures, um, the indications in my classrooms that I work in with young people, uh, mixed. And so it's obvious to us, it, mixed is not a new thing in the last 50 years. For the, st- for the statisticians, it's new. Yet historically, if our people have been traveling thousands of years across the ocean, then it's obvious we've always had mixed. And so therefore, there is an awareness that a humanity that has understood um, some way of meaning, some way of uh, being able to express themselves, some way of being able to tell their stories in a way that allows others or doesn't allow others to be part of their kingdom, of their nation, of their political setting. We begin to see and emerge an amazing picture of um, choices, decisions. How do we wish to engage or not to engage? So when you're walking into these mixed cultural settings, and I would imagine that you would have whānau or community and groupings where you have buried, burnt, officiated over the farewells and the celebrations Mm. of many people within that one whānau group or social gathering. But then others, you walk in and they don't know you at all. You don't know them at all and you don't know what you're walking into. How how do you approach those situations? Like yeah. walking uh, walking into grief, right, and loss. Yeah. 
what are you expecting or what's the range of things that you have to be ready for? Yep. Um, I'm thinking tūhoi, I'm thinking down the line, I'm thinking Samoan minister going down to say farewell to a friend uh, from tūhoi and then being told uh, that I'll be taking the service on the marae and I'm not even Māori. Um, and that, then, that, that actually sounds scary. Oh, mate, I was like, I, I just, I was taken back. Um, and then on top of that, um, our delineation, that's what I like about tūhoi. Tūhoi are really clear, you know, man, are they clear. What's, Culturally, a, what's a delineation? Um, the lines of where you can and cannot be. Um, and so I did, um, we were really clear about our duties, our services to the whānau, to the tribe, and to the other tribes and nations that were present. And then in that process, you're also trying to um, ask the hard questions of the iwi, of the people. What happened? You know, because there was a very sad story in this particular case. And so it was that fine line of how do we handle a request from the group um, that are the leaders of this group, and yet look at the Fano, and the Fano is distraught that a family member um, had a rather tragic ending. And so you walk a fine line between, and I mean, the, the example that really stood out for me had to be, um, you know, when we went into the Urupa, Tuhoi were really clear about that the Urupa would be their Their kawa. Aye. Uh, you, you stop at the gate. Exactly. Okay, drop to the back. Oh, yeah, Got you it. know, so you understand that, you Got know, that. as a Ngāti Hamo, I was so grateful, yeah, not offended, I understood. And then um, just the shock of, um, you know, standing at the fence, you know, to show that respect back to Tuhoi, and then next minute, oh my gosh, you know, when um, they turned around and went, Oi, Samoa, get in here. And I went, what? And they went, you're here, my brother. You know, uh, we appreciate um, that. Anger, we live in a nation that has a couple of filthy addictions, child abuse and suicide. Yeah. Right? So that anger is present and the confusion and the rage is present, right? Yeah. When you are dealing with people in grief, you walk into all sorts of dysfunction. Yep. You also walk into all sorts of times when people do not have that energy to hold themselves. Yeah. How, and, and I'm really aware that when someone close to me, or, or even someone that I, I might just work with, or, or, or the neighbour down the street I chat to yeah. occasionally, they lose someone. I know it's, and I, I don't even know how to approach it. Yeah. How do you, how, you're expert at this stuff. You've been doing it a long time. Your dad did it. I know. Um, you're very kind. Um, I, I am humbled uh, with that lovely, you know, with that lovely um, acknowledgement of um, our father, our, uh, our intergenerational tupulanga connections. Um, I come from a line of orators and healers. I come from a line of uh, lay preachers. And so it's a great honour, you know, when we do the mahi, uh, when we do the interface. Walking into those homes of high risk, walking into those homes of despair, walking into those homes of powerlessness, um, poverty, 
it's those moments that you know you've got to have a handle and you've got to uh, bring our people through. You've got to walk the talk. Um, but at the same time, uh, Timothy, you're so right. We're also showing our people we're human, um, that we don't always have all the answers or the right answers. We don't always have, but what we have is a heart for the people. Uh, what we have is ways of connecting our people to where to go get help, uh, who to go see, who to bring into the picture. Um, and More. What's choking you up right now? Um, I think... In the 30 years that we've been doing our work, um, suicide has been. It's terrible when you think. Um, uh, I've been brought out as a dinosaur for a lot of the youth work things in the last uh, six months. How old are you now? Uh, 63. Well, you're definitely a triceratops, aren't you? No, don't, yeah, don't. definitely. Right. So you've been brought out into this place, yeah. right? And it causes you pain. Yep, it's um. What's what? What's the pain it brings you? You've been, you've been around, man. You've seen yeah. some things, right? Yep. Um, what, the, what the, still the, hurts. What still hurts is that we're still doing. We're allowing people to suffer. We're allowing um, injustice. We're allowing um, families to feel unwanted, unloved, unsupported. We're allowing young people uh, to go through a system. To be scarred, um, we're allowing uh, systemic racial discrimination, uh, historical histories of injustice. And so as a practitioner, as a, a person that works in that field, um, I take it personal. Um, I, I respond because I am mindful that um, servant leaders are meant to stand up. Afi totoko. Uh, to affirm our people. And so, you know, um, with the funerals that we've done, it's, it's been, um, it's about how do we break that cycle down? Is there an answer? Did... I, think, I think there are a multiplicity of answers from social policy to individuals. Okay, um, so l let me bring you back then to this moment of being sure. with you. Thank you for, we've gone from anger to tears of anger and just of sheer mummy and pody and, and, and right, of just grief, right? Aye. I am thinking about your wife and your moko, yeah. right? And you going off and you deliberately putting yourself into these places that you know hurt. Yeah. And you go home and they know you're coming home. Yeah. And you take that home. Yes. That doesn't sound good. Oh, you are, you know, that's why Linda loved when she went over your questions. Yeah, mate. So I thought, boy, I'm not going to go see Timothy Charles and not do my homework, you know. And then I could hear all the Tongans going, oh. And so uh, Linda said to tell you, you are so right. Um, we need to be aware of what we're taking home. We need to um, fine tune um, those mechanisms, support mechanisms, also to how do we include or don't include. Um, one of the things that um, Linda always makes sure when I'm at home is, um, Oi, you're not looking good. Get out there. Here's your running shoes. You go do 10Ks and then you can come home and I'll feed you. And then the grandkids are awesome. The grandkids, uh, for the last 10 years, um, 
we are taught that death is a part of life. So for 10 years, well, more than 10 years, my grandchildren know which part of the Bible readings, which part of the prayers they're doing in the tangi for me, and um, what their roles will be, and how to support their parents. Um, so there's a team aspect about this. Oh, yes. And there are, there's roles and... Okay, I get it. So out in some of the roles, publicly, you take this lead view. And I hear your servant leadership, but you will also step forward to the front. At home, it's like, get out the door and don't come back till you've knocked out your run. Aye. Right? Papa, I got this bit. Yep. Yeah? We've only got five minutes left in this conversation. I was interested in talking to you about the death experiences that you've seen. Mm. But I'm not going to go to that conversation right now. What I want to go to is... Are you ready for your death? You have this team and around you. Yep. When you deal with death, the sudden yep. ones, the ones that we knew were coming for some time, it is present in your life and present then in your family conversation, I would imagine. Yes. Right? Whether there's Tullanor around this, right? Mm. How do you view your death? Are you ready? I, I, I think some people uh, envisage death in so many different levels. I think this is really important. Um, it's taken me 60 years to figure out what the old people are saying. It's taken me 60 years to figure out um, in a small, humble way of how we view our own coming uh, to that closure. And also how do we then make sure uh, that the others around us are safe, also how they're doing their processing of what is coming, and also in terms of how to assist with how they wish to define or redefine those experiences called death, life, so and where to. The way that you are preparing for your own death is by preparing those around you. Exactly. I'm going to ask you to summarise in a couple of minutes, but yep. first of all, I just want to ask you something as you're here in your priestly garbs, and I love the green, I love the green. Um, heaven? Really? I'm really more? I mean, like, I, I, I've never seen you play a harp. Are you literally going to go up and there's St Peter's Gates and you'll be in there with all the other good people? Is that is that what you're believing in and, and, and is that how you face death because you're going to be one of the chosen few living a life of bliss in heaven? Oh, I wish. Um, my response is, um, and I was just talking to that other beautiful reverend over there, and that is that quantum mechanics um, is really popular amongst Presbyterian ministers. Um, physics, astrophysics, um, I love whether it's the eerie theory, um, it's the harp, pull it up and go to the left, take the pink cloud on the furthest to the left. To Also to the um, physicist who says, you will return to be that ion back in the universe. And once again, life starts again. And so whether we go to the mythy stuff over there or the, the uh, scientific rationale over there, um, I still like that we've still got a... Uh, a circular line of journeys to redefine how we want to see that. And so um, I think um, exciting times. I mean... Um, death. 
Yeah. Okay. What? But I, I hope I'm brave when it comes. Do you really need to be brave, mate? <laughs> I mean, seriously, bro. Like, can... Oh, man, there's another conversation. Isn't it? We... I would like to conclude with you having a minute mm. to just summarise for someone who has listened to this conversation with you, what would you like them to take away? Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, the fundamentals. Samoan uh, fundamentalism here, and that is that you are precious, that you are important part of the universe. Uh, you have a, uh, a magic. You have a humanity. Uh, you have something special. Um, you need to know that you're loved. You need to know um, we need you. Um, you need to know grieving is painful, but that we got to go through it and that you don't have to go through it by yourself. Uh, you need to know, too, that um, uh, grief is also a process that will make you stronger and that, please, there's good people around if you need them. But, you know, bottom line is you are precious. You are loved. Moa, thank you for being one of the good people around me in my life over many years now. I love your rage. I love your righteous indignation. I love your inappropriate and deliberate humour. And I love your courage. And thank you for your company. My Lord. And your counsel. <laughs>